We continue with the opinion of the court in Chevron v. Natural Resources Defense Council. Part 6 As previously noted prior to the 1977 amendments, the EPA had adhered to a plant-wide definition of the term source under an NSPS program. After adoption of the 1977 amendments, proposals for a plant-wide definition were considered in at least three formal proceedings. In January 1979, the EPA considered the question whether the same restriction on new construction in non-attainment areas that had been included in its December 1976 ruling should be required in the revised SIPs that were scheduled to go into effect in July 1979. After noting that the 1976 ruling was ambiguous on the question whether a plant with a number of different processes and emission points would be considered a single source, the EPA, in effect, provided a bifurcated answer to that question. In those areas that did not have a revised SIP in effect by July 1979, the EPA rejected the plant-wide definition. On the other hand, it expressly concluded that the plant-wide approach would be permissible in certain circumstances if authorized by an approved SIP. It stated, where a state implementation plan is revised and implemented to satisfy the requirements of Part D, including the reasonable further progress requirement. The plan requirements for major modifications may exempt modifications of existing facilities that are accompanied by intrasource offsets, so that there is no net increase in emissions. The agency endorses such exemptions, which would provide greater flexibility to sources to effectively manage their air emissions at least cost. In April and again in September 1979, the EPA published additional comments in which it indicated that revised SIPs could adopt the plant-wide definition of source in non-attainment areas in certain circumstances. On the latter occasion, the EPA made a formal rulemaking proposal that would have permitted the use of the bubble concept for new installations within a plant, as well as for modifications of existing units. It explained, Bubble exemption. The use of offsets inside the same source is called the bubble. EPA proposes use of the definition of source to limit the use of the bubble under non-attainment requirements in the following respects. 1. Part D SIPs that include all requirements needed to assure reasonable further progress and attainment by the deadline under Section 172 and that are being carried out need not restrict the use of a plant-wide bubble, the same as under the PSD proposal. 2. Part D SIPs that do not meet the requirements specified must limit use of the bubble by including a definition of installation as an identifiable piece of process equipment. 
Significantly, the EPA expressly noted that the word source might be given a plant-wide definition for some purposes and a narrower definition for other purposes. It wrote, Source means any building, structure, facility, or installation which emits or may emit any regulated pollutant. Building structure, facility, or installation means plant in PSD areas and in non-attainment areas except where the growth prohibitions would apply or where no adequate SIP exists or is being carried out. The EPA's summary of its proposed ruling discloses a flexible rather than rigid definition of the term source to implement various policies and programs. In summary, EPA is proposing two different ways to define source for different kinds of NSR programs. One, for PSD and complete Part D SIPs, review would apply only to plants with an unrestricted plant-wide bubble. Two, for the offset ruling, restrictions on construction and incomplete Part D SIPs Review would apply to both plants and individual pieces of process equipment, causing the plant-wide bubble not to apply for new and modified major pieces of equipment. In addition, for the restrictions on construction, EPA is proposing to define major modification so as to prohibit the bubble entirely. Finally, an alternative discussed but not favored is to have only pieces of process equipment reviewed, resulting in no plant-wide bubble and allowing minor pieces of equipment to escape NSR, regardless of whether they are within a major plant. In August 1980, however, the EPA adopted a regulation that, in essence, applied the basic reasoning of the Court of Appeals in these cases. The EPA took particular note of the two then-recent Court of Appeals decisions, which had created the bright-line rule that the bubble concept should be employed in a program designed to maintain air quality, but not in one designed to enhance air quality. Relying heavily on those cases, EPA adopted a dual definition of source for non-attainment areas that required a permit whenever a change in either the entire plant or one of its components, would result in a significant increase in emissions, even if the increase was completely offset by reductions elsewhere in the plant. The EPA expressed the opinion that this interpretation was more consistent with congressional intent than the plant-wide definition because it would bring in more sources or modifications for review but its primary legal analysis was predicated on the two Court of Appeals decisions. In 1981, a new administration took office and initiated a government-wide re-examination of regulatory burdens and complexities. In the context of that review, the EPA re-evaluated the various arguments that had been advanced in connection with the proper definition of the term source, and concluded that the term should be given the same definition in both non-attainment areas and PSD areas. In explaining its conclusion, the EPA first noted 
that the definitional issue was not squarely addressed in either the statute or its legislative history, and therefore that the issue involved an agency judgment as how to best carry out the act. It then set forth several reasons for concluding that the plant-wide definition was more appropriate. It pointed out that the dual definition can act as a disincentive to new investment and modernization by discouraging modifications to existing facilities and can actually retard progress in air pollution control by discouraging replacement of older, dirtier processes or pieces of equipment with new, cleaner ones. Moreover, the new definition would simplify EPA's rules by using the same definition of source for PSD, non-attainment new source review, and the construction moratorium. This reduces confusion and inconsistency. Finally, the agency explained that additional requirements that remained in place would accomplish the fundamental purposes of achieving attainment with NAAQSs as expeditiously as possible. These conclusions were expressed in a proposed rulemaking in August 1981 that was formally promulgated in October. Part 7 In this court, respondents expressly reject the basic rationale of the Court of Appeals' decision. That court viewed the statutory definition of the term source as sufficiently flexible to cover either a plant-wide definition, a narrower definition covering each unit within a plant, or a dual definition that could apply to both the entire bubble and its components. It interpreted the policies of the statute, however, to mandate the plant-wide definition in programs designed to maintain clean air and to forbid it in programs designed to improve air quality. Respondents place a fundamentally different construction on the statute. They contend that the text of the Act requires the EPA to use a dual definition if either a component of a plant or the plant as a whole emits over 100 tons of pollutant. It is a major stationary source. They thus contend that the EPA rules adopted in 1980 insofar as they apply to the maintenance of the quality of clean air, as well as the 1981 rules which apply to non-attainment areas, violate the statute. Statutory Language The definition of the term stationary source in Section 111A3 refers to any building, structure, facility, or installation which emits air pollution. This definition is applicable only to the NSPS program by the express terms of the statute. The text of the statute does not make this definition applicable to the permit program. Petitioners therefore maintain that there is no statutory language even relevant to ascertaining the meaning of stationary source in the permit program aside from Section 302J, which defines the term major stationary source. We disagree with the petitioners on this point. The definition in Section 302J tells us what the word major means. 
a source must emit at least 100 tons of pollution to qualify, but it sheds virtually no light on the meaning of the term stationary source. It does equate a source with a facility, a major emitting facility, and a major stationary source are synonymous under Section 302J. The ordinary meaning of the term facility is some collection of integrated elements which has been designed and constructed to achieve some purpose. Moreover, it is certainly no affront to common English usage to take a reference to a major facility or a major source to connote an entire plant as opposed to its constituent parts. Basically, however, the language of Section 302J simply does not compel any given interpretation of the term source. Respondents recognize that, and hence point to Section 111A3. Although the definition in that section is not literally applicable to the permit program, it sheds as much light on the meaning of the word source as anything in the statute. As respondents point out, use of the words building, structure, facility, or installation as the definition of source could be read to impose the permit conditions on an individual building that is part of a plant. A word may have a character of its own, not to be submerged by its association. On the other hand, the meaning of a word must be ascertained in the context of achieving particular objectives, and the words associated with it may indicate that the true meaning of the series is to convey a common idea. The language may reasonably be interpreted to impose the requirement on any discrete but integrated operation which pollutes. This gives meaning to all of the terms. A single building, not part of a larger operation, would be covered if it emits more than 100 tons of pollution, as would any facility, structure, or installation. Indeed, the language itself implies a bubble concept of sorts. Each enumerated item would seem to be treated as if it were encased in a bubble. While respondents insist that each of these terms must be given a discrete meaning, they also argue that Section 111A3 defines source as that term is used in Section 302J. The latter section, however, equates a source with a facility, whereas the former defines source as a facility, among other items. We are not persuaded that parsing of general terms in the text of the statute will reveal an actual intent of Congress. We know full well that this language is not dispositive. The terms are overlapping, and the language is not precisely directed to the question of the applicability of a given term in the context of a larger operation. To the extent any congressional intent can be discerned from this language, it would appear that the listing of overlapping illustrative terms was intended to enlarge rather than to confine the scope of the agency's power to regulate particular sources in order to effectuate the policies of the Act. Legislative History In addition, respondents argue that the legislative history and policies of the Act 
foreclosed the plant-wide definition and that the EPA's interpretation is not entitled to deference because it represents a sharp break with prior interpretations of the Act. Based on our examination of the legislative history, we agree with the Court of Appeals that it is unilluminating. The general remarks pointed to by respondents were obviously not made with this narrow issue in mind, and they cannot be said to demonstrate a congressional desire. Respondents' argument based on the legislative history relies heavily on Senator Muskie's observation that a new source is subject to the LAER requirement. But the full statement is ambiguous and, like the text of Section 173 itself, this comment does not tell us what a new source is, much less that it is to have an inflexible definition. We find that the legislative history as a whole is silent on the precise issue before us. It is, however, consistent with the view that the EPA should have broad discretion in implementing the policies of the 1977 amendments. More importantly, that history plainly identifies the policy concerns that motivated the enactment. The plant-wide definition is fully consistent with one of those concerns. The allowance of reasonable economic growth, and whether or not we believe it most effectively implements the other, we must recognize that the EPA has advanced a reasonable explanation for its conclusion that the regulations serve the environmental objectives as well. Indeed, its reasoning is supported by the public record developed in the rulemaking process, as well as by certain private studies. Our review of the EPA's varying interpretations of the word source, both before and after the 1977 amendments, convinces us that the agency primarily responsible for administering this important legislation has consistently interpreted it flexibly, not in a sterile, textual vacuum, but in the context of implementing policy decisions in a technical and complex arena. The fact that the agency has, from time to time, changed its interpretation of the term source does not, as respondents argue, lead us to conclude that no deference should be accorded the agency's interpretation of the statute. An initial agency interpretation is not instantly carved in stone. On the contrary, the agency, to engage in informed rulemaking, must consider varying interpretations and the wisdom of its policy on a continuing basis. Moreover, the fact that the agency has adopted different definitions in different contexts adds force to the argument that the definition itself is flexible, particularly since Congress has never indicated any disapproval of a flexible reading of the statute. Significantly, it was not the agency in 1980, but rather the Court of Appeals that read the statute inflexibly to command a plant-wide definition for programs designed to maintain clean air and to forbid such a definition for programs designed to improve air quality. The distinction the court drew may well be a sensible one, 
but our labored review of the problem has surely disclosed that it is not a distinction that Congress ever articulated itself, or one that the EPA found in the statute before the courts began to review the legislative work product. We conclude that it was the Court of Appeals rather than Congress or any of the decision-makers who are authorized by Congress to administer this legislation that was primarily responsible for the 1980 position taken by the agency. Policy The arguments over policy that are advanced in the party's briefs create the impression that respondents are now waging in a judicial forum a specific policy battle which they ultimately lost in the agency and in the 32 jurisdictions opting for the bubble concept, but one which was never waged in the Congress. Such policy arguments are more properly addressed to legislators or administrators, not to judges. In these cases, the administrator's interpretation represents a reasonable accommodation of manifestly competing interests and is entitled to deference. The regulatory scheme is technical and complex. The agency considered the matter in a detailed and reasoned fashion, and the decision involves reconciling conflicting policies. Congress intended to accommodate both interests but did not do so itself on the level of specificity presented by these cases. Perhaps that body consciously desired the administrator to strike the balance at this level, thinking that those with great expertise and charged with responsibility for administering the provision would be in a better position to do so. Perhaps it simply did not consider the question at this level and perhaps Congress was unable to forge a coalition on either side of the question, and those on each side decided to take their chances with the scheme devised by the agency. For judicial purposes, it matters not which of these things occurred. Judges are not experts in the field and are not part of either political branch of the government. Courts must, in some cases, reconcile competing political interests, but not on the basis of the judge's personal policy preferences. In contrast, an agency to which Congress has delegated policymaking responsibilities may, within the limits of that delegation, properly rely upon the incumbent administration's views of wise policy to inform its judgments. While agencies are not directly accountable to the people, the chief executive is, and it is entirely appropriate for this political branch of the government to make such policy choices, resolving the competing interests which Congress itself either inadvertently did not resolve or intentionally left to be resolved by the agency charged with the administration of the statute in light of everyday realities. When a challenge to an agency construction of a statutory provision, fairly conceptualized, really centers on the wisdom of the agency's policy rather than whether it is a reasonable choice within a gap left open by Congress, the challenge must fail. In such a case, 
federal judges who have no constituency have a duty to respect legitimate policy choices made by those who do. The responsibilities for assessing the wisdom of such policy choices and resolving the struggle between competing views of the public interest are not judicial ones. Our Constitution vests such responsibilities in the political branches. We hold that the EPA's definition of the term source is a permissible construction of the statute which seeks to accommodate progress in reducing air pollution with economic growth. The regulations which the administrator has adopted provide what the agency could allowably view as an effective reconciliation of these twofold ends. The judgment of the Court of Appeals is reversed. It is so ordered. We've come to the end of this opinion. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.